Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Let's read aloud together, starting on verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Tall order, Father, for us to learn how to serve. We all want to be great. We all like it when somebody appreciates what we do. We all like having a a name, and it's important to have a good name. You want us to want to learn how to serve as a servant of all, like Jesus. So I pray that you would teach us some more this morning about the gifts that you give us, the enablements, the abilities that you give us in the kingdom of God to serve others. I pray that you would help us to realize that by doing that, we are actually serving the God who made us and loved us and gave himself for us. So if there's anybody in this room who has never been born again, does not know what it means to be saved, has no hope of heaven, what I pray today would be the day they get saved. They realize they can trust Jesus Christ and his perfect righteousness. And then they too can serve him with all their life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. All right, starting off, of all the things that Jesus taught, and he taught a lot of things, the greatest thing that he taught was how to serve others. Now, a life of service is not something that most people want. They want a life of applause. They want a life of praise. They want a life of success. But they look at service and servitude as a life for someone else, for maybe a foreigner, maybe a, someone from another country, they would do those jobs, but we don't do those jobs anymore. Well, the greatest purpose uh, of your and my life is not to enjoy life. You're not supposed to get up in the morning saying, I can't wait to enjoy life. No, the greatest purpose in your life is not to control other people's lives. I used to believe my boss woke up in the morning thinking of new ways to make my life miserable. But that is not our purpose. Purpose is not to make large sums of money or wealth, but to serve other people and therefore serve the God who loves us and made us. This morning, 
I want us to continue to listen to Paul as he pleads with us to become servants. It's not something we do naturally. Unless your parents taught you to, to serve, you don't do it naturally. Because Christ expects every believer to be a servant. He does not look and says, all right, now you're going to be in charge and you're going to be the doormat. No, he expects all of us to be servants in God's kingdom. By the way, what we're going to talk about are the gifts and the enablements in God's kingdom. There are talents in this world, and they, those talents, when they're developed, they become movie stars, music stars, they become politicians, they become world-renowned speakers and authors. We're not talking about e, uh, um, talents and natural abilities. We're talking about things that are for the kingdom of God, which go much deeper and much lower and actually much more eternal. You see, thankfully, God has gifted us to be servants. God has given seven gifts to enable Christians to serve anybody. Each of these seven gifts are abilities. We read it there in Romans. It says, look there, back there in chapter 12, just a review here in verse 4. It says, for as we have many members in one body, speaking of our fingers, our toes, our ankles, our knees, our nose, our mouth, our, our eyes. We have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, or let's say it this way, they don't have the same function. My thumb does not do the same thing as my nose. Amen? They have different functions. They have different offices. Verse 5, so we being many as Christians are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. We're part of one body. So each of these are the abilities that God gives us. Since the moment we got saved, we have a purpose bigger than what we may have been five seconds earlier. Now, by way of background, I want to talk to you, sort of introduce you to the gifts of God, give you some background to these seven gifts. And the first one is that of all the gifts that Christ has given you, criticism is not one of them. And yet it is the one thing we think we're gifted at. <laughs> Mm-hmm, yeah, and, and she's wearing that same dress again. <laughs> we are so critical. We are so bent on expressing our, our, our peeves. You know what a, how many of you know what a pet peeve is? I don't know what the Irish for it is, but a pet peeve is when somebody just rubs you the wrong way, and it's like going to the, into the toilet, you sit down, and somebody put that toilet paper roll on backwards. That's a pet peeve. Now, the, the, people get upset about everything today, and that's not a gift at all. It's a curse. As a matter of fact, God judged his people when they were caught complaining and murmuring and griping about food and about how hot it was and how long the journey was. And they perished for it. Christ, Christians love to criticize today. They open their mouths constantly to point out some fault in someone else. I'll tell you another gift that, there's, that, that is not today, and that's tongues. People think they can speak in a heavenly language. No, you're speaking gibberish. Tongues was finished in the first century. Other people believe in healing. And let me tell you, healing is not a gift today. It is a work. Doctors, um, uh, nutritionists, people um, going to the gym, all of that stuff. Listen, I pray to the God of healing, but I don't go to a healer because the gift of healing does not rest in people anymore. 
So if you think that coming, by coming to Pastor Craig and Pastor Craig praying over you, I'm going to heal you, you got the wrong guy. That guy doesn't exist. There is no gift of healing anymore. By the way, anger is not one of the gifts of God either. And yet, those are the things that people are so caught up in. They're caught up in themselves and caught up in their emotions instead of, what does the kingdom of God need? There are seven truths about the kingdom of God. I want you to, about the, the, uh, the gifts of, uh, of God. And uh, these things need to be well learned. Number one, they are perfect. You see, we want the gift of money. See, um, uh, it comes to Christmas, and yeah, we may be wanting this, and we may be wanting that, but just give me money is usually what people say. <laughs> we want material gifts. Um, I've been given a lot of gifts, and I've given a lot of gifts that were embarrassing, that weren't quite what the other person wanted, that needed to be, they were defective, or maybe they were the wrong size. But when God gives a gift, it's perfect. Amen? It is just what you and I are supposed to have. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from the Father, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness. He doesn't change, nor shadow of turning. All seven of these gifts are absolutely perfect for the job we have to do. Secondly, they are all unearned. They are given to us just because God is a giving God. They're simply gifts from God. You, 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 you didn't earn them, and you also, you're not supposed to reject them. Just enjoy them as gifts from God, like a baby. Can you imagine Weston and Beth having baby Leah and Weston coming home saying, can we send her back? Can't do that, can you? No. The point is this, when God gives you a gift, you got to say thank you. They weren't earned and they can't be rejected. There's something supernatural about them. Third, they are based on need, not on want. Did you know God gifts us to serve based on the need around us? Think about this for a minute. The gifts are not based on the gifts that we want to have or that we think we might be good at. God Give me, the voice. Give me a good voice so I can sing. You see, that's how we may want to be gifted. And the Lord says, you know, that may be what you want, but that's not what people need. So God gives you a gift based on the need of people around you, need of where you're at. Can you imagine being born in Ethiopia and growing up in absolute poverty and wishing to have the gift of being a banker? That's not what they need. There are, there, is a, there are seven gifts that fit all people everywhere, no matter the economy, no matter the, uh, the climate. These gifts are based on the need around us. Fourthly, they are, more, they are for more than yourself. Do you know, you were, you were saved not just to save your soul. Amen. I'm glad God wanted me. Glad God saved me, but he didn't save me just for myself, or else he would have taken me straight to heaven. Now that you're saved, Craig, come on home. No. He saved me so that somebody else can see what God's grace looks like and what God can do with a wretch. That's why God saved me. So the gifts that God gives us are for, are for more than just self. They were given to you to, to use in service to someone. Number five, 
Each one of the gifts are different, and yet they work together with the other gifts. They work together for the, for the good of the whole body of believers. None of them work alone. There is an attitude today that is scary to me, and that is, um, I have the gift of teaching. So all they do is they get on YouTube. They never fellowship with other believers. They're not a member of a church. They don't have a pastor. They don't have anybody that they work with, but they're on that YouTube claiming, I have the gift of teaching. They have the gift of a curse is what they are, because it's arrogance. Your gift was meant to serve real people that you have to look in the face and love. So some people say, oh, I just, I don't believe in this, and I don't go along with that, and I don't want to be around people, and you're losing the whole point. If you have a gift, it's so that you can serve real people. You work together with other gifts. Did you know the op- you, have, you have the gift of a prophet and the prophecy, and you have the gift of mercy. And the two of them are like chalk and cheese. One of them sees a problem and rebukes. <laughs> the other one sees a problem and hugs. And they both are needed in a church, aren't they? So they work together. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that we work together as a body, and every part of my body pulls together and holds together. I would hate for things to keep falling off, all right? Disappearing. Wake up in the morning and my arm is gone. I left my arm in San Francisco. I don't know. You, you need everything pulling together, and that's, that's all of the gifts belong together, work together. Six, the gifts of God must be opened. They have, we have to be trained in them, and then we have to use them. There are a lot of people, maybe even in this room, who are afraid of their gifting. They feel maybe God's calling them to do something, but they're terrified of it. Then you have the other extreme. You have some people who are apathetic, and they neglect it. They go, oh, it's not, it's not important. It's not that big a deal. You know, if you find yourself with a baby, as Beth and Weston have, you know what you need to do? Find out how to be a good parent. Amen? I'm sure about every uh, first couple of weeks after bringing uh, Leah home, I know, uh, Leah home, Weston kept looking at the back for the off switch. You turn this baby off. If you, if you have been given a gift from God, you need to learn how to use it, you, and then you need to use it. That's the, that's the goal, and so that's what church is for. We get together so that we learn how to use our gift. Got to open the gift. And then everyone has at least one of these gifts we're about to talk about. Everyone. There's not one person in this room who's going, God didn't give me a gift. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. It just may not be apparent to you. It may not be easy for you to accept that God wants you to be such and such. I think God gives actually two or three. Jesus had them all. I think Paul had at least five of the seven. I know this. You'll have at least one. Now, by way of this, this is the list here. We have God's gifts. He says the first one is the gift of prophecies. Go there in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or if the gift is ministry, let us wait on our ministry. He that teacheth, let us wait or serve as teaching. Verse 8. He that exhorteth, 
on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. All seven of these things are absolutely breathtaking. Simply what we're looking at is prophecy is the ability to speak up for God. You're speaking up for God. Ministry and helps is where you hold up the brethren. You help people. That's this awesome gift of ministry is the gift that just helps, that just does what needs to get done. Teaching is where you instruct people in the ways of God. There is an entire tribe of the, of the tribes of Israel dedicated to be teachers of the law. What was the name of that tribe? Anybody want to get, remind me? The tribe of Levi. They were called and gifted with the responsibility to live among the people and teach them. They didn't have churches. They didn't have um, uh, Bible preachers. All They had Levites who just went through the countryside. They taught and they taught and they taught. And that's the gift of teaching, exhorting. You ever seen a parent and their, their son or their daughter is, is in some sport? And what is the mom doing? Now, that, sometimes the dad. They're going, get going, keep going, you're going to do it. You know what that is? Exhorting. That's encouraging. That's saying, you're the best. That's my boy. <laughs> and, and it is wonderful to have exhorters, a whole church full of them. Um, oh, let me go back here. Giving. That's just people who meet the needs of others. They just, they find out somebody's got a need or there's a need for the church, and they just, they just give. Rulers and governors, those are people who manage product projects. They, they, they take charge, and they make sure things get done, and then you have those who show mercy. They show great compassion. They just, they're, they're throughout a church, and they just see somebody who's off on the side, and they go sit by him. They find out somebody had a birthday, and they find out, did anybody take him for coffee? They say, well, I, I will. And, and they just have that compassion. They just want to make sure everybody's encouraged. And then each one of these things now, Paul says that each one of these things are functions of the body, so I compare them to what they're like. Those who have the gift of prophecy have vision. And I'll talk about that simply. They can see ahead where God wants everyone. They see the will of God like the captain of a ship steering everyone in that singular direction and saying, we're going that way. People with the gift of ministry have shoulders and backs and hands. They carry weights. People come along and they need their house stuff moved or they, 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 they have um, uh, uh, a need. They have a, um, a leak and they go, I've got, I've got tools. I can go and fix that. And they put their back into it. They, they extend their hands. They are the hands and the backs and the shoulders of a church. Teachers are like patient mouths full of truth that just speak um, uh, proper and helpful words that instruct. Exhorters are like lungs and like adrenaline. I mean, there's just something about giving a good, exciting shout. Something about picking up a hymnal and when, it's, when we're singing um, Amazing Grace, and the exhorters in the church are the ones going, that saved a wretch like me. Amen. Those are exhorters. They've, they've got adrenaline. They bring energy to a church. And then they're... No, <laughs> they, she's got lungs too. Anyway, givers. 
They've got the pockets. Now, they may be shallow, or they may be deep, but a giver always just always is reaching in their pocket. Always just, here, let me help you. Rulers are the brains and the heads in, in, a, in a church. They just, they got, a, they got a head for figures and for details. Those that show mercy have heart. This is what makes a great church. I want to have a church where bankers are welcome. I want to have a church where, where politicians are welcome. I want to have a church where uh, musicians and actors are welcome. We take all kinds of sinners, amen? But they don't make a church. You know what makes a church? People who are gifted with these things. Now, again, it's like a human body. I just give you this so it's all visual and you really get it down. So here's Joe Christian, all right? I like him. Hi, Joe. Joe's like a church in that he's got all these parts that work together. And this thing of God says, I give you the gift of prophecy, which is all the Old Testament prophets had this ability to see ahead, see out. Everybody else is looking down. Everybody else is struggling against a problem. And the prophet says, this is where we're going. This is what's coming. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Let's go. So prophets have the vision. The ministers have the back and the shoulders of a church. Teachers are the mouths. They spend time patiently teaching the word of God. Exhorters are the lungs and the adrenaline. They just, boy, when, when they sing, you can hear them. And, and when, when, uh, when something is, is, is going, uh, uh, I don't know, something's going hard for somebody, they just come along and says, I'll go with you. I'll carry you. I'll, 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 I'll see you tomorrow and the next day. I'll make sure you stay encouraged. They keep, they keep going and they keep encouraging and they don't, they don't drop down. And, and, and go quiet, they are loud, and they're, they're noisy because they're full of energy. The givers are the pockets. The rulers are the brain in the church. You know, they're people who just, they're, they're necessary. They love details. They look at a spreadsheet and they go, yes, I hate spreadsheets. They love organizing things and planning things. They don't mind the boring stuff that has to go on in the background. And the merciful are the heart of a church. Now, here's the truth. Here's the truth. That's one body with many members, and that, this one body can serve a lot of people, can't it? But so also can a church full of people. A church is a body of people serving one another in the very same way. Don't ever forget, you are the church. This is not anything except the place we meet. You're the church, you're the body, and every one of us, if you're saved, is supposed to serve. Now, the first three gifts that God gives us for serving, I'm only going to look at three gifts this morning. The first three gifts that God gives us, and I need you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, is the gift of prophecy. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, each one's different, but if we've got it, whether prophecy... Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 3. Somebody said, you know, you may misunderstand. The Bible uses some terms that we, sometimes we abuse, and we think what it means, and it means only like one thing. Let me tell you. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to what? To edify to encourage, to build up. 
and exhortation and comfort. The gift of prophecy is not telling the future. Now, I can tell the future because I read the Bible. See, some Old Testament prophets and some New Testament guys, the apostles and prophets that wrote the New Testament, they did all the prophesying I need. But I have, I have, as the pastor, I have the gift of prophecy, which means I'm supposed to see what God wants us as a church to see and the direction we're supposed to go, and I'm supposed to, I am supposed to see what God sees. They see the will of God. They are the eyes of a church. They have a vision of what God wants, not what people want. I know churches where it's what's called seeker-sensitive. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but it means people who come to church, we make sure we meet their needs. And I'm all for that. But I don't exist to meet their needs. I exist to do the will of God. All right? Now, that will meet needs, but it'll be the real needs, not just, well, I think we ought to have a, I think we ought to have a Starbucks in here. No. That's not what you need. A pastor, a preacher who's supposed to have the gift of prophecy, is supposed to say, this is the way that God has for us. Let's walk in it. They see what God sees. They are the eyes of a church. And this gift enables a man to say what God said. Um, it is a supernatural urging to speak up for God, like being a mouthpiece for God. Basically, I pray before every time I preach, before every time I study, everything I do, I say, Lord, please help me to say what you would say if you were here. That's my only purpose is I just, I just want to reflect. I just want to echo what you would say if you were here. See, before the New Testament was completed, God used prophets. There was not the book of Isaiah, there was, or, uh, uh, so God gave to Isaiah the prophecies, and Isaiah wrote them all down, didn't he? Guess what? I don't need any new prophecies. I got a whole Bible full of them. So I just repeat them. Now, since the completion of the New Testament, we just simply declare the very same words. That's why the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I don't need to prophesy something new like uh, the Mormons did with Joseph Smith, and like um, um, uh, uh, Muhammad claimed to be a prophet for the uh, Islamic people, claiming there was something new. Let me tell you, there is no need for anything new. Just read and preach what God said. Now, there are some important truths about this gift. It is not the same as the gift of being a prophet. You're not looking at a prophet. Amen? I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I stand up here and I preach my heart out. I teach the Bible. I try to use all the gifts that God has given me, and then some when I'm not gifted in, but I do my best with. They're, they're, the gift of prophecy is not the, thing, the same thing as the gift of a prophet. There are no more prophets. They finish with the Apostle John. Remember, Revelation says, if any man tries to add to the prophecies of this book, he's cursed. So we don't need any more prophecies. We got plenty of them. So the gift of prophecy usually is in the pastor, the preacher of a church. But every church needs several men, many men who have this gift, and they need to develop it. They need to sharpen it so they can preach. And they also have the same burden 
and the same heart for that church and for the people. Can you imagine if this hand and this hand could never agree? This hand's always trying to get this, and this hand's always trying to go there. You can't have a church full of people who all have their own agendas. We need all of us, one body, and especially those who are trying to look for what is the will of God, all seeing the same thing. A person with this gift uses it not because they're able to, but because they're doing it by faith. I think I've told you several times, the first time I preached, I had five pages, and I got through it in five minutes. <laughs> I think I sweated at least a cupful of sweat. I think I died and had a stroke at least three times during it. Folks, let me tell you, you do it by faith. If God shows you this is what I need you to do and I'm going to help you, you do it and you say, I lived. <laughs> I got through it. How do you test yourself? How do you know if you've got this gift? Well, let me ask you. I bet some of you will answer this. Do any of you have a strong opinion about right and wrong that you just have to verbalize? I don't answer to every one of these, okay? Do you make quick judgments about people, especially from first impressions? Oops. Can you sense when people are lying to you and you're usually right? Do you desire justice more than compassion? Are you loyal to the truth more than to people? Are you willing to suffer for standing up for right and against wrong? Do you love God's word and you fight anyone who would try to change it or water it down and twist it to their own designs? Do you believe, well, let me just say it this way, do you have a sense that the Lord is constantly directing your life through specific situations to get you to say and do something that's against everyone else, that's against the flow, like he would do if he were there? Not everything God did was, was, was um, aggressive, but he always just went his way, even though the world was going this way and that way, and, a, and somebody has a, has a gift of prophecy just has one thing they want to do, and that's the will of God. You've got this gift. If you can say that some of those things, that's, that's how I feel now that I'm saved, you should learn to use this gift. Because that makes men into pastors, and we need, Ireland needs more men who can stand behind a pulpit and preach faithfully, consistently, all their life. It forges families into church planters and evangelists. It makes elders in a church. And we do it in love. Everything we do, speaking the truth in love. But speak the truth. That's a prophet. That's a New Testament. If you don't have that gift, say, I, I could never do it. Great, there's six more. There's plenty more to choose from. How about the gift of ministry? Look at Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. Verse, three verses, Matthew 20, verses 25 to 27. Jesus called unto him, them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. They that are great, they exercise authority upon them but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be ch uh, chief among you, let him be your 
servants. So guess what ministry means? Serving. It simply means to relieve the burdens that others can't carry. People with this gift of service, they basically hold everything together just by doing all the little things that are needed to bring us together. People with this gifting reach down and pick up weaker brethren. They carry the defeated. They carry the burdens of those who have burdens. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. People who serve, ministers, wash tables, feed widows, take care of orphans. They minister to physical and spiritual needs of the people in the church, and they do it with joy. They mow grass. They repair people's cars for free. They check on people who are alone. They set up for church, and they put things away when we're done. They come and volunteer at the church office. They clean floors, carpets, and toilets. They just serve in any way that is needed. These people have no special title. If you have the gift of ministry, somebody says, what do you do in the church? Uh, everything. That's what they are. They may be builders and mechanics and bus drivers and chemists by trade. They may play the piano. They may be able to sing. They may be able to perform in front of large audiences but they minister to people as if they were ministering to Jesus himself. Go to, you're in Matthew 20, go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verse 42. <clears throat> Matthew 25, 42, for I, Jesus is speaking, and I want you to circle that, I was a hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, verse 43, and you took me not in naked, and you clothed me not sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did we not minister unto thee? And then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not unto one of the least of, of these you did it not unto me. If, if anybody has the gift of service, you'll do things because it's as if you're doing them for Jesus. doesn't matter whether you're helping um, Susie Sour Lips and, and Daniel down in the mouth. And I don't know, I'm trying to make this up as I go along. Uh, and, and, and people that just, just, I just wish I had, didn't have to meet them. And you'll serve anybody because you'll do it as if you're doing it to the least of these because you're doing it unto Jesus. The ministers are the back, the shoulders, the hands of a church. They like just doing stuff for anyone, no matter who it is. They don't matter. They don't care if it's, if it's flushing the toilet and keeping it working. They just like to serve. You're like, listen. They are, they're ready. They love to serve. They're in, we read in, Revo, in Romans, it says, uh, uh, they that, that, that minister, let us wait on our minister. How many know what a waiter is? That's a Bible, come on, you know what a waiter is. Don't look at me like a bunch of owls. A waiter at the restaurant. A waiter, what are they doing? They're waiting. They're waiting on people, which means 
They're attentive. And at the moment that you raise your hand or your eye makes contact, they bolt and says, what can I do? We have a need for people to do an inventory and say, you know, Lord, I may not be able to do much, but whatever needs to be done, I'll do it. Because that is the gift of ministry, where they are standing. And I, I was, my wife and I, I got a, a bonus uh, from the company I worked for, and it was a, it was a gift certificate to a very expensive restaurant. This was 30 years ago, 33 years ago. The restaurant, when we got there, first of all, they had a valley. They had somebody there who drove my car away. I felt so important. They then, when we got inside, it was winter, it was coming up to Christmas, and they took our jackets and they put them in the closet there with furs and coats and things that I could never touch. And they give us this little ticket saying, this is what you come back to get your thing. And then we walked into this room and there was in front of us a sailing ship. Are you ready? Carved out of ice. And it was dripping. Somebody had carved and shaped sails and mast and bow and keel and it had been carved in the morning at 4 a.m. and they brought it out that afternoon and there it was melting. It was a fortune of effort just for our entertainment. We went around the ship and there were lines of, of food bars. And we went and we sat down and two or three waiters and waitresses came around and they poured the water and brought us our, our napkin. This guy took the napkin and put it right in my lap. I almost wanted to punch him. <laughs> I was not ready for that. But that wasn't it. We were sitting there and they says, this is how you go and you eat. Da, 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 da. We went, we got our food. When we came back, he had taken my napkin and refolded it up and placed it on my place in front of me. So that when I sat down, he came and he unfolded it again and put it on my lap. So I'm eating and I go to get another plate and I come back and there's that dumb thing. I looked at him. No, <laughs> I don't need it done again. But what was he doing? He was being a good waiter. And a servant of a church of the Lord Jesus Christ has his eyes open, has her eyes open saying, there, let me help. There, let me go. Let me do it. They are the unsung heroes of a church. They work behind the scenes at all those unglamorous ta tasks. They make sure somebody's got a cup of tea or a glass of water. They make sure that, I mean, when you come up and you're talking and you're fellowshipping, that person sitting behind that table there serving you is the last thing on your mind. You're looking at that cup. You look into that biscuit or that scone, but they're there serving, aren't they? They're the unsung heroes. Without these kind of people, without people who are just who just love serving, it cripples a church. How do you tell if you have the gift of ministry and helps? You notice and you earnestly desire to meet people's practical needs. If somebody got out to their car and their, and their tire was flat, people who are gifted with the gift of ministry would instantly say, wait right there, I've got, I've got a, um, what is it, a jack. Somebody else would say, and I've got a can of air. 
those are that they just look for and they, they notice needs. You'll ignore your own weariness because you feel compelled to help someone else. How many of you have? Hey, don't answer. But this is one of the signs you have the gift of ministry, and that is you have a hard time saying no to people who ask you to do something. That's a sign that you have the gift of ministry. You have a knack for knowing what, pe- what really blesses people. Um, you know, you, you, uh, where's, where's Nathan here? Is he here today? Did he skip out and go into Sunday school or something? Um, but say it's Nathan's birthday, and you know he doesn't like flowers. But you know that he likes cappuccinos. So you go down to Starbucks and you get him a, a gift card for the biggest, most gooey caramel cappuccino, whatever it is, a frappuccino or whatever. You say, I know that's what he likes. That's the gift of service. You just do something to make somebody else's life a little bit better. You're driven by meeting those needs. And one of the ways you know you have the gift of service is you hate planning for the long term. You just want to do something today. You just want to help people now. That's the gift of ministry. But the third and the last one we're going to talk about today is the gift of teaching. Go to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. <clears throat> Matthew 28 verse 19 says this. Go ye therefore and, what's the word? Teach everybody. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Here we are again, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teach them everything. Lo, I'm with you. I'm helping you always, even unto the end of the world. What's the gift of teaching? It is the special supernatural ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to communicate biblical truths, to clearly explain God and His ways. And God is kind of hard to explain, isn't He? But a teacher loves the challenge. It involves explaining the Bible so that people understand what God's will is and how to fulfill it. And there's none of us who have it all figured out, but we do know basic things like, you must be born again. Christian, you're saved, you must be filled with the Spirit. You've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. We know enough to keep us busy for a lifetime. The person who has this gift can't help but show people truth from the Bible. It's a drive. It's a passion. It's almost an obsession. A, um, a teacher explains the Bible to children, co-workers, family members, parents, bosses, neighbors, friends, and even their enemies. The Bible says... <laughs> but especially they love helping out in church. Go to John chapter 21. John 21. John chapter 21 and verse 15. This is after the resurrection and Jesus gives Peter his gifting. John chapter 21, verse 15, down to verse 17. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto them, Feed my lambs. Verse 16, he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, and you know, 
When anybody keeps asking the same question, it'll frustrate the fire out of you. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, and I bet Peter's like, all right, here he comes, lovest thou me? <laughs> and Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, <laughs> thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus, Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. What does he tell them to do? Teach them. Feed them. Don't just yell at them. Don't just make them feel guilty. Don't just, just say some Bible stuff. Feed them. Help them. The gift of teaching is priceless. Children over in the other room are being ministered to like you can't imagine, like you wish you had been when you were their age. Where somebody is Miss Nita this month and Miss Gina who are taking the time to tell the stories of the Bible and the history of the Bible and the commandments of the Bible and the promises of the Bible so that they learn it. It's a special ability. They are the addiction program instructors and counselors. They are the teen ministry teachers and helpers. They are the crash workers and helpers. They are the soul winners who not only just say, you must be born again, but then explain it. Let me tell you what that means. Teachers. They are the mouths of every church. They carefully instruct people in godly living, and they're very patient. The greatest example of the gift of teaching was Jesus, wasn't he? Matthew chapter 5, seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them. If you have the gift of teaching, you have a way of being just like Jesus. How do you know if you have the gift of teaching? Well, people who have the gift of teaching don't believe things until they've tested them and they've verified it's true. People with the gift of teaching love to study and love to learn new things from the Bible. They, they, they buy books that explain stuff. They buy commentaries and handbooks and study tools to help them understand what the Scripture is saying. Not that those things are perfect and there, but you read everything you can get your hand on to make sure you've thought about it and you'll learn it. Teachers love church because that's where they learn truth. Teachers are thorough in their study of Scripture. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto. So we're trying to prove God, I'm trying to live up to your expectations, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I don't know, most teachers that I know, truth doesn't come to us naturally. We have to learn it. If you have the gift of teaching, you'll be organized. You like to be clear. If, you're, if you have the gift of prophecy, you kind of don't care what you say. Everybody, somebody will get it. <laughs> but if you have the gift of teaching, you're careful what you say and how you say it so it's line by line and it builds to the great truth. You love to see people converted not just religious, if you're a teacher. You're detailed in your explanations, sometimes too detailed. I think people have found out if you ask Pastor Craig a question, I might take 15 minutes to answer <laughs> because I'm detailed. I like to think it all the way through. You're never impressed with personal experiences of yourself or others. To you, if you're a teacher, truth is truth. And the greatest truths you found in the Bible. And if you have the gift of teaching, you'll tend to argue over minor points. Because you have your opinion. That's okay. Those are signs you have the gift of teaching. 
Hmm. Next week, I'm going to talk about four more gifts. The gift of exhortation, the gift of giving. I'll I'll not come next week. The gift of ruling and managing and, 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 you know, doing multitasking. And the gift of showing mercy. Priceless gifts that God has given us in the kingdom of God for turning this world upside down. By way of conclusion, what's our summary? If your gift is prophecy, you will proclaim God's view of right and wrong. You will have a vision from God to reach this generation with the gospel. You won't leave it up to pastor. You'll say, how can I help? I want to help reach this generation. Um, uh, How many are tired of this current generation of 20-somethings totally ignoring history, totally ignoring everybody who's 40 years and above, totally wanting to throw everything away and just have their own world? You know what? They They need somebody to come and give them the gospel to reach them with the gospel. If your, if, it, if your gift is ministry and service, you'll desire to meet others' needs and do whatever is needed so that anything, every, everything and everyone just keeps going and keeps working and keeps serving. You'll help others serve. And if your gift is teaching, you'll spend your life learning how to help people grow in God's truth so they are not just free from sin, but they are free indeed and they're free to live and have the truth, because if I read my Bible right, it's the truth that people that makes people free. Whatever your gift is, 1 Peter 4, go to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. First Peter 4, 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. Whatever God's given you, use it one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whatever gift you have, find out what it is and use it. Because I find that most, at least not every believer, serves the Lord Jesus Christ. One more scripture, go to Romans chapter 16. And we're through. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. Romans 16, 17. Very strong words. 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them, identify them which cause divisions and offenses. Contrary to the doctrine which you have learned from the Bible. And do what? Avoid them. You have to break off with them. For they are they, they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but who are they serving? They only want to make money off of you. They only want to listen. Politicians, I don't know one of them that really cares about the people they, they claim to represent. They have people in their pocket. They have people manipulating and using them. Folks, let me tell you, there are religious people who don't care one thing about you. They just want your money. And they serve only their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. That's a shame. 
People who are divisive and preach their own pet doctrines and cause divisions in a Bible-believing church are not doing God any service at all, but instead are serving their own appetites and they're serving themselves and they're destroying the work of God. It should be the exact opposite in a church where we just, man, we watch out for one another, we love one another, we serve one another. But here's the worst truth, and that is not everyone received the first gift, which is eternal life. The wages of sin, folks, is going to be what? Death. But the gift of God, the gift, the greatest gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not through church, not through any good works like baptism, but through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Hebrews 2.3 says this. I got 2.4, but it's 2.3. says, how shall we escape God's judgment if we neglect such a great gift as salvation? I know that Jesus is very easy to ignore. You can come to church and go home. You never pick up your Bible. But you will die, and you will stand before the God who made you and became a man to save you, and you can ignore Him all your life, but one day you will not be able to ignore Him, as it is appointed when men once to die, and after this is your judgment. You better be ready for it. You'll not escape God's wrath unless you've been born again. I was born again 39 years ago. didn't understand what it meant, but I saw it in the Bible. I knew that God had to do something on the inside, what nobody else could ever do, and that was forgive me. All I had to do was ask Him. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son for you. Will you ask Him? Stand with me. Bow in prayer. Greatest gift that you've ever given us, Father, it was your Son, Jesus Christ. And you gave Him first in a manger. Then as a perfect life that we could never live. And then as a substitute on the cross, dying so that we could live forever. And that's the greatest gift. And It'd be a shame if somebody comes to a Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church and hears about gifts and they don't receive it. Today be the day that they could get saved. They could get born again. All they got to do is trust your son. Everybody claims that they're believing God and they're following God, but their lives don't show it. And so God became a man to show us how to live and say, if you'll follow me, I'll take you all the way home to heaven. And if there be somebody in this room, maybe several, who will say, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm a, I'm, I'm a sinner. But I believe that Jesus died for me. And I ask him to save me now. That'll work for anybody. So, Father, please bless your people this, this afternoon, God, now. With a great burden that we've been gifted, not just with eternal life, but with the ability to serve. As Jesus stepped down, took on the form of a servant, and humbled himself, may we do the same. In Jesus' name, amen.